So it's cute to get these memes. You may have gotten a hundred of them today already. I did. When Adar comes in, you increase in joy, and you've probably gotten your WhatsApp a clown, a smile, roses, depending on what nationality you're from. The uh, Persians like to send rose pictures of roses before Shabbat, uh, for Rosh Chodesh, and the uh, Moroccans have sent pictures of Arak, and the uh, everyone has their thing, their memes they send out. But when Adar comes in, it's not about memes. It's not only about smiles. Smile is a good thing. Smile is a very good thing. The Gemara says it's better to have give someone um, your teeth than to give them a cup of milk. What it means is it's better to give someone a smile than to give them a milk. Even though milk is something they could eat and enjoy, but a smile is really good. So smiling and sending out nice, positive message is a great thing. What, what I wanted to say was, I mean, that Adar is more than that. Adar is about real, genuine joy. And the way Adar is this year, that there's 60 days of joy. And you may have heard this before, but in Halacha, 60 is a very significant number. Like if you have 60, 60 times more meat, 60 days of joy this year, because there's two Adars. And the Torah says, when you, have, when you have 60 times more positive than negative, the negative is nullified. Six times more kosher than non-kosher, the negative gets gets obl- uh, obliterated. So the power of the 60 days of joy of the month of Adar is to, to destroy all negative things, and we all know we could use that. Unfortunately, a lot of things going on in the world we all are, are, are only too well aware of. So the 60 days of joy of Adar has a power to transform that. And the way the Torah phrases it is, when Adar comes in, you have to increase in joy. And the way the Rebbe explains that is that every day of Adar, you have to have more joy than the day before. You have to continuously increase more and more in joy. The question is, how do we get there? What is the joy about? And, and how do we connect to it? Especially, it's so important, as, as I just said, if you increase in joy, you, you just, it, it nullifies all the negative things. So how do you do it? So first of all, I want to say is that it's, it's also by physical things. It's not just, I'm going, to give, I'm going to try to explain something to think about, but besides that, it, it's, it's also, just like on a holiday, it says that a, a father and a husband should bring things home to cause joy to his family, so to the month of Adar, you're supposed to go out of your way to make your family happy with things that make them naturally happy. So, um, like it says that uh, children like nuts and raisins, and today, they will probably be happy with an Audi, whatever. It's, it depends with children. So, so you have to bring things in natural in your family happiness. It's, and, and as the Rebbe once said, that sometimes a father says a stern word to a child because he wants to educate them. But the month of Adar is not about that. The month of Adar is about giving the child a sense of happiness. That's what it's about. So, so that's number one. And also it says that we study Torah. Like someone wrote, wrote to the Rebbe once, and I think something we could all identify with. I'm sad. I don't know why I'm sad. Ever felt that way? Ever said, it says in the Torah, Simchat Levav Enosh. Torah makes a person's heart happy. So just by studying Torah, you spend, spend, spend time every day studying Torah. Pekud Yashem Yisham Sam Chaleb, the mitzvah of the Torah, are, are, make your heart happy. It, it does naturally bring you to happiness. But besides all that, I want to talk today about why, what the, what the why is in the month of Adar. So to understand this, let's first go talk what we're up against. I don't want to get any, anyone sad. 
But it's all something, it's not, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. We all have a lot of stuff on our heads, have a lot of stuff on our shoulders. And it seems like the more sophisticated anything is, the more stuff they have to deal with. Like rocks, right? Rocks and inanimate things. They don't have anything to do. Just, they stay there and they're, they're okay. They're rocks, rocks remain rocks. Animals, plants, well, plants have to be watered, needs sunlight, but then they're good. What about animals? Animals need a little, a little more. They need, they need a hunt, okay? And people, they have to go, they have to do a lot, lot more to maintain what's going on in their life, even though they're more sophisticated. You'd think if we're so more sophisticated, so much more sophisticated, Hashem should take away all of our worries. Let us focus on Torah and Mitzvot. I'm not talking about bigger issues. I'm talking about small issues. A bunch of small, tiny things that occupy our day, day in, day out. All these tiny little things that add more and more pressure. You have to do this, you have to do that, you do this. And, 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 and uh, I don't know if they still have this. Baruch Hashem, I haven't had this dude in a long time. Um, I remember once calling United Airlines and uh, have the automated system, and you're waiting on that, on that phone, and you try to talk to the automated system, and it says, basically, your frustration is not going to make it any, any faster. They, they had some kind of like nasty, like, 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 calm down message in the automated system, like, whatever. Anyways, no so, so, so the point is that we all have a lot of things to deal with, and it would seem so logical that because we have a lot to do in this world, and we're very sophisticated, we're the chosen of all creation, we should have a lot less worries than the rocks, than the animals, than the trees. And yet we have all these things we need to do. Even if we live a luxurious lifestyle, we live, in the language of Jackie Mason, just outside Beverly Hills, right? We still have to go to the cleaners, you still have to go to carpool, you still have to go, you still have a lot of things on you. And the question is, what's the point of all these little things? Why these little things? What are these, what are, what are these for? I'm not talking about, unfortunately, we'll have bigger pressures than going to the cleaners and going to the bank and whatever. But, but the question is, even those who don't have those worries have a lot. And the question is, what's the point of all these minutia that Hashem sends to us every single day? Every single day. So, to understand this, as the Alter Rebbe says, you have to live with the times. Look at the Torah of the portion of the week. Torah portion of the week is also a very big shift in energy this week than last week. What was last week about? Last week was so magical. We're at Mount Sinai, and we all pass away at Mount Sinai. We hear Hashem's voice, and boom, we all die. Hashem takes dew. He's going to use to resurrect dead when Mashiach will come. And He resurrects us when we're alive again. Hashem speaks again. Boom, we all die again. Hashem resurrects us again. Amazing. When we finally wake up, we have no Yetzirah, we have no evil inclination. We're not interested in anything petty, in anything, anything that's, that's un, unimportant. We are just totally focused on, on, on love of Hashem, the love of Torah, love of fellow Jew. We're just in a great mood, we're so happy, we're so wonderful, we're so, it's amazing. And what happens this week? This week, the Torah talks about such seemingly, such petty, benign things. If Yankel hits Meryl, and he heard him, what does Shmerl have to do to compensate Yankel? If Yankel entrusted Shmerl to watch his Audi, and Shmerl didn't watch it properly, how much does he have to compensate him? What if he watched it, and he was negligent, but he watched it as... And it goes into all these details. And how does that fit with where we just came from? We just came from Mount Sinai, and then the Torah says, mishpatim, the very first letter of this, of this Torah portion is a Vav. What's that Vav telling you? This is connected. It's connected. 
You don't think it's connected. They're going to say, no, it's connected. The question is, how is it connected? It's a totally different shift. It's a shift of energy. How is it connected? So understand this. I want to mention something which I think is very, very important, um, which gets overlooked, and that's this. People, very well-meaning people, people who have a lot of respect for Torah, often relegate Torah to being irrelevant. How do they do that? By honoring Torah. A lot of people say the Torah is not a history book, Torah is not a story book, and therefore the events of the Torah shouldn't be taken literally. For example, people say, test in science that the world is, depends which scientist you ask. You ask an astronomer, the world is this amount of trillion years old. Ask the geologist, is this amount of trillion years old. And the Torah says, Hashem created the world in six days, and rest in the seventh, the world is 5,700 and, survey says, 84 years old. So, so, so they say, oh, well, when Hashem created the world in six days, you got to take it in perspective. There were six time periods. There were 600 trillion years of, of, of time periods. There were six time periods. And, 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 and that's how the Torah, what the Torah means when it says a day, a day for Hashem is a time period. It's not true. Every word in the Torah is meant to be taken literally. As the Talmud says, Ein mikra Every verse of the Torah has its first of all, its literal meaning. If the, if the Torah was meant to, be, meant to be interpreted the way people say, you know what would happen? We wouldn't have to keep Shabbat. We would have six time periods, six decades, you work, and then you turn 60, you retire, and you don't work. That's the way it would have been. That's the way it would have been. If that's what the Torah meant, when it said six days, it meant six time periods, and we shouldn't have to keep Shabbat every seven days, every six days. So Torah is meant to be taken literally. But people say, no, it's just meant to be a metaphor. No, it's not. The Torah has a... It, 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 People say Torah is not meant to be taken as a book of, of medicine. But it says in this week's Torah portion, Hashem says, if you learn Torah, you do mitzvot, you'll have a better life, you'll be healthier, you'll be happier. Torah says that. If you learn Torah, do mitzvot, you'll be healthier. You'll be, one second, it's, oh, you can't say the Torah is about health. The Torah is higher, holier than that. Torah is better than that. It's true. The Torah is holier than that. But the Torah is also something that helps us in this physical world. And you learn Torah, you do mitzvot, it'll make your life, your finances, it'll make your health, it'll make everything in your life better. The Torah, more Torah, more blessing. It's something for us in this world. It's not just holy. It's also, also for us in this world, something that helps us in this world. So by honoring Torah, they, 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 they actually dishonor Torah. We have to know the Torah is, first of all, it, it's it real. It's real. It's real. What's number one word in Tanya? Remember in, it's in San Diego, they tell you the number one word in Tanya? No more than any other word in Tanya. What's the number one word in Tanya? More than any other word. Survey says... Los Angeles, everyone knows. Mamish, 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 it's real, it's real. Okay, so this helps us understand something about Torah. Unlike other religions, Lahavdil, let me say it this way, they say this story, I don't know if the story is true, the concept is definitely true. This rabbi is with the Dalai Lama and some other minister at this symposium. And some Jewish lady asks her, raises her hand. Jewish ladies are good at asking really hard questions in a very like matter-of-fact way, and very hard for those standing on, the, on this side of the uh, of the room trying to answer the question. I just want to ask you a question, Rabbi. You know, I like the Dalai Lama, and he seems to be so interesting and so beautiful. What's wrong if I connect with Hashem through the Dalai Lama? What's wrong with that? Don't you have anything to say against the Dalai Lama? Imagine being in front of this guy. You have to insult him in front of an audience. It doesn't make any sense. Even though he certainly doesn't deserve any accolades at all. As those who are in the know about this um, very um, 
terrible path in, uh, in, in living. Either way. So the rabbi, he says this. He says, you know, in America they say, if you want to really know who someone is, the one who knows a person the best is their wife, their spouse. Let's ask Mrs. Lama, <laughs> Mrs. Dalai Lama, what she says about Dalai Lama. And the MC is like, Rabbi, you don't know that the Dalai Lama isn't married? Oh, the rabbi says, well, that's what I wanted to say, actually. The Torah says that holiness is about being able to live with another person. That's what holiness is. A lot of people have flowers, you know, they have flowers. They water the flowers. They talk to the flowers. They sing to the flowers. The flowers don't bother them. They don't bother the flowers. It's wonderful. But that's not holiness. You know what? In order to be a Kohen Gadol, to be the holiest person, go to the holiest place, the holiest time, you know what you need to do? You need to be married. The Kohen Gadol, if the day before Yom Kippur, his wife passes away, invalid. He's, not, he's, he's ejected from his position. To be holy, he has to be married. Why? Because according to the Torah, being holiness is about bringing the heaven to the earth. Unlike the other religions, like, like, like this Hamas lady, she says, you know what I want my kids to be? They should be shahid. They should be shahid. They should be able to, give, they should be able to destroy and die and kill. The Havdil. The, um, the Torah's perspective is very clear. Hashem wants a home in this world. And, and that's why this Torah portion is very connected to the one before. Hashem gave us a Torah in last week's Torah portion. And now Hashem says, I want you to live with this in this physical world. What's the number one question they ask when we get to heaven? The first question they ask when we get to heaven. What's the first question they ask you? Anyone know? Oh, you're honest in business. Very good. The Reb Rashab, he had a study partner whose name was Rabbi Yaakov Motlopotaver. Rabbi Yaakov Motlopotaver was a prominent rav, prominent rabbi in Poltava. And he and his study partner were studying together one night. Um, it was, I think, in 1880, around that time. And the previous rabbi was in a bed nearby, and he was sleeping. He was a child. And as they're talking, I mean, Rabbi Akamoto wasn't a rabbi, but he was a very gifted very soulful person. He looks at the previous Rebbe, sleeping. The Rebbe said the story with great emotion. The Rebbe said that Yaakov Mato looked at the previous Rebbe sleeping and he saw the purity of his face. And if you could, in, in someone's face, those who are in the know, those who are sensitive, they could, they could see the purity of thought. And he told the Rebbe, told the Rebbe Ashav, you could see in his face the purity of his thoughts. You could see how pure he is. So the Rebbe Ashav wanted to kiss his son. He wanted to kiss him. But then he, he didn't kiss him. And instead, he wrote down a discourse on the verse, how manifold, how many are your works, Hashem. He wrote down this discourse. He didn't give it to his son. When his son turned 16, I think it was, Tafesh Nunvav, he gave him the discourse. He says, I'll tell you what this is about later. Four years later, he told him the story. Now, you hear the story. What do you think on the surface? Many people think heard the story, they think... The Rebbe had all of this love and he held it back and he gave it to Torah. He held back his love for his son. That won't happen. That won't happen. Why didn't he just kiss his son? Just kiss him. What would be wrong to kiss his son? The Rebbe Rashab had this love for his son. He had this strong feeling and he didn't want to just give it away. He wanted to immortalize it. He wanted it to last forever. Imagine his child growing up and having this discourse his father gave him, that he could internalize and learn, and he could be hugged by this love his entire life. 
he knows this is a discourse my father wrote for me because he loves me so much. He wanted to give me something. He didn't want to just, just it's easy to give a kiss. A kiss that lasts two, three seconds and you're done. He wanted to take it somewhere. He wanted to, 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 to immortalize it. It should last forever. And this is not just what the Rebbe Hashab said. This is what the Rebbe repeated. And I'm repeating the story to you now and you're going to repeat it to someone else. It's about, take, it, it teaches us something. It teaches us about taking a, a very strong emotion but bringing it down. And this is a connection. Bringing it down by holding it back a little bit? Not holding it channeling back. Channeling it. Channeling it. Channeling it to, to have how it has an effect in our lives uh, in a down-to-earth so way. Why couldn't he have done both? That's a good question. You know, that's a, a, that's a good question. Taken away unless you're saying he was holding back. That's why you would think. You, you know, you know the, I mean, like, a good question. The Rebbe once said, I, I heard the Rebbe, this is true. I heard the Rebbe once say, if you don't have the answer to a question, you say a story. So here's a story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's honest. My, my great-grandfather, but not completely. Maybe answers the question a little bit. Either way, my great-grandfather uh, once had a dream. My, my, my mother's father's father. But he had a dream, and in his dream, he saw that the, um, the previous Rebbe gave him a, a gold coin. And he's walking with this gold coin. He's very happy. The Rebbe gave him this gold coin. He's like he's so, so excited. And in his dream, he loses the coin. He loses the coin. He wakes up from the dream, and he feels terrible. He doesn't know what it means, but he feels terrible. He goes to the Rebbe, the Rebbe, our Rebbe, for an audience. And he tells the Rebbe the dream. And immediately, the Rebbe opens his drawer, takes out a discourse about the Vine Province. I don't know which discourse it was. It's about the Vine Province. The Rebbe said, this, those and the gold this should be the gold coin. This should be the gold coin. So, so I don't know how this works, but I would say that just like by Yaakov and Yosef, that when Yaakov saw Yosef, he said Shema, he wanted to channel the love to say Shema, it could be that, that there's an energy there, and he wanted to use the totality of the energy. I don't think that us, I mean, I, I don't think that I and Neanderthal could understand why you can't do both, yeah. but, but I think that if makes I was sense. there, it makes sense. Because you give me a kiss and you're like, you transferred the energy. You let go. Yeah, okay. They say a story about Napoleon, and Napoleon was once approached by um, by people in his kingdom that the, the Talmud should be burnt. We should burn the Talmud. Why should the Talmud be burnt? Look at the Talmud, they said. Look at the Talmud. The Talmud has all these laws about going to the bathroom. The Talmud says that even in the bathroom you have to fulfill the laws of modesty. You now uncover yourself unnecessarily only as much as you need to uncover yourself. What a ridiculous thing they told Napoleon. Napoleon, very wise man, he says, look how great their God is. Oh, you can imagine how great their God is. He's so great, he's even found in the, such a place. This is the difference between Judaism and Lahavdil, other all other religions. We have it, there's a verse in Hallel, we say in Hallel from Tehillim, Ram al Havaya, which literally means Hashem is above all nations. Hasidic masters explain this verse to mean the nations of the world, the Goyim, they say Hashem is high, Hashem is holy, Hashem is above, Hashem is distant. What do we say? He is indeed infinite, but because he's infinite, he's present and he looks and he pays attention to us in the world. Hmm. Why? The Avodos HaKodesh says it this way. If you say that Hashem is only infinite, he's not finite, he's only in the spiritual, only in the higher, only in the higher realms, then is he really infinite? Is he really infinite? No. He's not infinite, he's only there, he's not here, he's finite. So that means that Hashem is truly infinite. And what's truly infinite mean? He's not limited to being only in a higher realm. And that's and we connect to this 
There's a Talmud says, there's one passage of the Torah, the Talmud is a very tiny passage that the whole Torah rests on. What, what passage? Called Gufetar in the Shah. In all your ways you should know Hashem. In all your ways. Whatever you do, you connect to Hashem. And this will answer our question about Adar. In the month of Adar, the Talmud says that if you have a court case with a non Jew, with a Gentile, try to make the court case in the month of Adar. Now, what does that mean? If. If you deserve to win the court case, Hashem decides you're going to win the court case, so then you win the court case any month of the year. Yeah. If you don't deserve to win the court case, why, we, why what's up, what does help you doing in the court case in other? If you don't deserve, Hashem decides you're not going to win, what does it make a difference? When are you going to do it? The answer is this. The word Adar comes to the word Adir. Adir of Hashem. Adar comes to the word Adir, which means Hashem is strong. Hashem is mighty. So in the month of Adar, Hashem takes a Jew, and it says, you're in a, a situation where according to nature, something's supposed to happen. According to your, your good fortune, according to what you deserve, something's supposed to happen. But Hashem says, I'm going to lift you up. I'm not going to give you according to what you deserve. I'm going to lift you up above nature and above what the angels in heaven are accusing you of and above what the angels are defending you, above all the calculations. And Hashem is going to bless the Jewish people in a way that's beyond nature, beyond what we deserve. And that's why it's marim b'simcha. That's why there's more simcha. Where does the simcha come from? The greatest joy a Jew could have is seeing that God is with him. Mm-hmm. Seeing that Hashem is with you in what you're doing. There's no greater simcha than seeing that whatever you're doing, you see Hashem is with you. So in this month, whether because this is a month when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, the whole month, the Talmud says, is simcha. The whole month is full of joy. Because in the whole month, it's a, it's a, it's a special um, School dikkat, special special uh, merit in this month because of Moshe Rabbeinu that Hashem shows us how close He is with us. And Maged of Yaakov, Hashem tells us to add in simcha. That means Hashem gives us reason to add in simcha. We see doors open. A colleague of mine, um, month of Adar, he had a he was he was Chabad center was had a foreclosure. It was terrible stuff going on. He wrote a letter to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said. I can say who it was. He's not embarrassed. He said this way in public. Every pair. Every pair wrote the Rebbe. And the Rebbe says that you should make an effort and go with, with, with Levavius. Put, put your heart in serving and in, in doing what you need to do. In the, in the school of Dikah Chadashim, in the months of which have a school, which have a treasure, which have a blessing in them, the month of Adar. And Baruch Hashem, uh, thank God, it's, it's growing and growing. Baruch Hashem, youth. Anyways, the point is, this is a time of, of, of a mazel, Time of Simcha. We have to add in Simcha ourselves through Torah, through other things that bring us joy and bring joy to our families. And Hashem is telling us to add in joy. He must also give us a reason to add in joy. And especially all the families which are Rahman al-Slan. Hashem give all, every Jew a reason to add in joy with the coming Mashiach. Okay, no, take my mamish. This was 